section one of savage holiday this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org savage holiday by richard wright part one one anxiety six days shalt thou labour and do all thy work but the seventh day is the sabbath of the lord thy god in it thou shalt not do any work exodus twenty nine ten sunday is the holiday of present-day civilized humanity but it is not given to every one to vent their holiday wantonness freely and naturally sander ferenzi's sunday neuroses in the very nature of a holiday there is excess the holiday mood is brought about by the release of what is forbidden freud's totem and taboo a cascade of shimmering yellow light showered down from crystal chandeliers and drenched the faces of more than five hundred men and women dining at the long resplendent banquet tables in the jefferson banquet salon of one of new york's largest and most luxurious midtown hotels like a fabulously gaudy canopy red black and gold streamers of twisted paper criss-crossed the ceiling festooned the walls evoking an atmosphere that was rich dense and colourful on a wall to the right spanning the length of the room high up near the ceiling was strung a huge white eye-catching banner whose modernistically blocked characters of red and blue proclaimed the longevity life insurance company inc girds the world and brings security to you and your survivors to-night we tender a fond hail and farewell to erskine fowler for thirty years of exemplary service and devotion near the centre windows in the left wall and at a table decorated with a giant spraying bouquet of long-stemmed roses sat a quiet reserved group of men whose fleshy faces massive bodies grey and bald heads marked them as wealthy executives one of them a white-haired man whose forceful ruddy face china-blue eyes and squared chin gave him the demeanour of a tamed pirate was speaking and now this doughty warrior after thirty long years of care and toil lays down his burden of responsibility and can honestly look any man in the eye and say i've earned this rest of mine with the sweat of my brow this is the end of a perfect day the speaker's hearers were visibly moved and the hand-clapping was as soft as shy as the rustling of tree leaves in a spring wind brothers and sisters just think erskine fowler looked upon longevity like as his family ah i remember him years ago though it seems to my mind's eye that it was but yesterday running errands learning the ropes figuring the angles growing up with a growing company becoming a mason a rotarian a sunday school superintendent a man of parts what a miracle life is what a tremendous boon we have been to this man and what a godsend he has been to us what a collaboration what a partnership what a fulfilment of promise applause strident deafening brothers and sisters thirty years is a long long span of time time enough to cap the hair of a head like mine with silver frost time enough for countless souls to be chastened in the valley of suffering time enough for almighty god to lay his final hand upon some of us time enough for millions of new faces to make their god-given appearance here on earth in our midst 
time enough for war time enough for peace time enough for sorrow time enough for a little happiness but never forget time enough for devotion for service for character building for brotherly love the speaker's voice quavered under the stress of emotion a few scattered handclaps began timid and hesitant then gathering courage the crowd lifted their applause to a crescendo that went on and on until the white-haired man finally stemmed the flood with his uplifted palms brothers and sisters of the longevity family i'm not here to make a speech to-night i want simply as president or head of this family to make manifest to the world that if erskine fowler has served us well we want him and the world to know it last month our board of directors voted unanimously to have a special medal of gold struck in his honour long and earnestly we debated in choosing the words to be inscribed upon that medal amid silence the speaker paused took from an inside coat-pocket a flat black box and opening it gazed for a moment at something which his audience could not see one side of this medal of gold bears the profile of erskine fowler and the opposite side he paused again turned the medal in the flat box and continued bears these simple heartfelt words which i'll read if erskine fowler will be so kind as to stand up a six-foot hulking heavy muscular man with a lincoln-like quiet stolid face deep-set brown eyes a jutting lower lip a shock of jet-black bushy hair rose nervously ran his left hand tensely inside of his coat as though touching something brushed his right hand across his chin then let his fingers which trembled slightly rest upon the table in front of him his facial features seemed hewn firm and whole from some endurable substance his eyes were steady he was the kind of man to whom one intuitively and readily rendered a certain degree of instant deference not because there was anything challenging threatening or even strikingly intelligent in those carelessly moulded and somewhat blunted features but because one immediately felt that he was superbly alive real just there with no hint in his attitude of apology for himself or his existence confident of his inalienable right to confront you and demand his modest due of respect he looked confoundingly younger than his forty-three years indeed one would easily have taken him to be thirty-five or six he stood with a fixed embarrassed smile and his brown eyes shone with the moisture of emotion the speaker cleared his throat and declaimed erskine fowler the board of directors the president and the officials and more than five thousand employees of the longevity life insurance company declare unto you well done thou faithful steward of our trust spontaneously as one man the crowd gained its feet and gave vent to prolonged cheering the speaker extended to erskine fowler's left hand the flat black box containing the gold medal next he seized erskine fowler's right hand and shook it with vigour then clapped him in a fatherly way on the back pronouncing god bless and keep you erskine thank you mr warren the recipient said in a half whisper show it let's see it sundry voices rang out there were yells whistles stomping of feet a maudlin mood seized the crowd erskine followed with pride timidity and even an element of fear gleaming in his face tiptoed and lifted the flat box high above his head and turned it to left and right allowing the soft sheen of the golden disc to shed its lustrous benediction upon all eyes his movements were stiff and constrained as though he were acting against his will higher higher erskine fowler forced a smile a lusty singing broke out and a moment later the orchestra underscored the full-bodied strains for he's a jolly good fellow for he's a jolly good fellow for he's a jolly good fellow which nobody can deny erskine fowler's fingers shook he fumbled clumsily with the flat 
black box and laid it on the table before him his lips quivered then he could no longer check the turbulence of his emotions as the clapping rose louder and higher profuse tears seeped from his eyes and etched their way slowly down his cheeks erskine fowler drew forth his handkerchief balled it and dabbed fumblingly trying to dry his eyes some of the young dewy-eyed stenographers crooned ah look that's so cute he's crying there were masculine shouts speech speech erskine fowler brought himself under control he hunched his huge shoulders a bit forward made a slight nervous upward shrugging motion with his arms and elbows close to his body as though hitching up his trousers before going into combat and set his face resolutely toward the crowd he lifted his hands for silence and a soft chorus of shh went around the room when all was quiet erskine fowler turned with slow and serious dignity toward mr warren bowed and in a rich charged baritone began mr president members of the board of directors brothers and sisters of the longevity family what can i say truly my heart's full to overflowing as all of you know i'm no speech-maker my command of words is meagre action is my fort and i'm at a loss when called upon to express myself but believe me i'm not unmindful of or insensible to the great tribute that is being tendered to me to-night yet if i may with your permission i'd like so to speak to turn the tables and pay a tribute to mr warren the board of directors and to my thousands of co-workers who have made my services with the longevity life so pleasant and inspiring it's to you that i feel i owe thanks quiet and clapping you know as well as i that in a strictly physical sense we have come to the parting of ways but in a wider deeper sense we can never really part we will continue to commune together through what that great saviour of our country abraham lincoln called the better angels of our nature brothers and sisters it is a poignant feeling that haunts me to-night leave-taking is always such a melancholy business really words fail me at this moment erskine fowler swallowed blinked the strain of emotion pulled at the muscles in his face with a reflex gesture he inserted his left hand to his inner coat pocket as though to make sure that he had not lost something then he continued yet i possess no small degree of pride for no matter how humble my capacities really were i did lend a willing hand in building up this our common monument of business but what we achieved was not merely all business as our great president has so often pointed out and i heartily agree with him millions of people depend upon us for their welfare come to us in their bereavement and seek us out in their hope that's not business that's faith a ripple of hand-clapping a sharp tense struggle seemed to reflect itself in erskine fowler's face he mastered himself quickly suddenly laughed tossed his head roguishly shot a shy darting glance at mr warren and then recommenced in a lilting jocular manner i'm retiring at what is a rather unusually early age but don't kid yourself sure i'm forty-three but by golly i feel that i'm twenty-three there's a hell of a lot of kick left in this old mule yet laughter shouts even some whistling tell him erskine yeah don't give up boy sure i'm retiring but not out of action i'm smiling and moving into the reserve ranks at a boy we're with you erskine now don't you think that because i'm retiring that i'm going to stop living erskine fowler warned them shaking a threatening forefinger why i haven't even begun living yet he banged the table with his fist more hand-clapping 
i am deeply loath to sever my ties with this splendid organization he switched to a sober note speaking in a husky whisper but when one has served his time he must go yet the sun's not setting for me i beg leave with all due respect to correct a statement of our beloved president he spoke of this being for me the end of a perfect day no 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 my friends it's high noon not only for me but for longevity life erskine fowler saw mr warren lean forward break into a smile and nod his approval as more hand-clapping beat through the air erskine fowler's face flushed and became darkly pugnacious as he argued the board of directors has voted to retain me in the capacity of a consulting adviser he turned and faced mr warren mr president sir let me caution you that i am going to be a mighty disappointed man if my phone doesn't ring one of these mornings soon and i don't hear you telling me erskine i want you to get right down here at once there's something terribly important i want you to do amid something akin to pandemonium mr warren rose hastily and rushed to erskine fowler's side took hold of his shoulder and spun him round with affectionate rudeness with cheers deafening their ears the two men confronted each other immobile silent then mr warren flung wide his arms in a gesture of receiving to his heart a brother whom he would never deny elaborately he embraced erskine fowler and patted him tenderly on the back with both of his palms when the cheering had subsided mr warren informed erskine fowler in tones that carried throughout the room you bet your sweet life i'll call you erskine and by god when i do you'd better come staring solemnly into each other's eyes they shook hands erskine fowler was moving his lips trying to say something but he could not get his words past the constriction in his throat in the end he simply nodded his head and his eyes were dripping wet a tall grey-haired man sprang to his feet his right hand raised and called out above the tumult mr president mr president the noise abated a bit yes mr edwards mr warren answered mr president the grey-haired man began as the room quieted i hope that i'm not out of order and assuming that i'm not i hereby move that an account of these honourable proceedings be published in the next issue along with suitable photographs of our official journal longevity life a stout red-faced man rose and boomed i second that motion with his arm still draped about erskine fowler's shoulders mr warren proclaimed it has been moved and seconded that a full account of the honourable proceedings of this august ceremony be commemorated with proper dignity in the pages of our official journal longevity life is there any discussion on this motion question question rose from several throats if there is no discussion i ask all who are in favour of this motion to signify their assent by saying yes yes a growl of approval thundered from the crowd those opposed mr warren called silence the motion is carried unanimously mr warren shouted both of his palms stretching upwards with fingers spread a young woman dressed in a white suit came briskly forward with camera and flashbulb and stooping and sighting sent three flashes of blue lightning into erskine fowler's and mr warren's face erskine fowler stood uncertainly blinking then overcome he sat abruptly a storm of whistling stomping and yelling rang in his ears and there was an abortive attempt to sing for he's a jolly good fellow again but the orchestra at a signal from one of the executives filled the room with a popular waltz tune and the waiters hurriedly began removing the tables and chairs erskine fowler watched dazedly as dancing couples smiling and looking at him began to swing undulatingly past his eyes that swam in tears 
he felt lost abandoned he was alone amidst it all time was flowing pitilessly on longevity life would keep marching and he was on the outside of it all standing on the sidelines rejected refused he swallowed and dried his eyes again suddenly he felt that he could endure no more of it he rose and mumbled hoarsely excuse me please i'll be back in a moment he headed toward the men's room his eyes on the floor walking slowly several men clapped him heartily on the back and called out their congratulations erskinefeller forced himself to smile at them yes erskine had fled he had taken himself out of their sight had broken his promise to remain until the end of the banquet a sudden sense of outrage had made him decide that he would no longer be a party of his own defeat as he made his way down the corridor toward the stairway anger burned in him so hot and hard that his vision blurred when he had declared to that array of upturned faces that leave-taking is always such a melancholy business he had not been speaking at random or rhetorically indeed he had had to rein himself in while facing that crowd to keep from bursting out with the true facts to keep from screaming to the public that the whole thing was a farce a put-up job and what was now making him so angry and disgusted with himself was that at the last moment instead of hurling a monkey wrench into warren's smoothly organized machinery of falsehood he had had a failure of nerve had collaborated in the game of make-believe the urge to expose to his co-workers the hidden reasons for his leaving longevity life had clashed with his pledged word to hold his tongue and the resulting tension had so tautened his muscles that he could not have endured any more of that ceremony without actually collapsing temporarily his sitting there at his table so quietly and knowing that within an hour a thirty years relationship would against his will and in spite of his protest irrevocably terminate had been like watching a knife whose sharp edge of blade was nearing a bared nerve to avoid meeting his erstwhile associates he sought to leave the hotel by a side entrance he came to the head of a rear stairway and paused gazing broodingly down at the descending sweep of wide carpeted steps he was alone slowly his left hand reached inside his coat and his fingers touched the tip ends of a row of four automatic pencils black red blue and green clipped to an inner pocket whenever he was distraught or filled with anxiety he invariably made this very same compulsive gesture which he had developed in some obscure and forgotten crisis in his past his touching those pencils always somehow reassured him for they seemed to symbolize an inexplicable need to keep contact with some emotional resolution whose meaning and content he did not know yes his leaving that banquet had been indefensible and irrational he had not only broken his promise to warren to stick it out but he had revealed himself as a man who could not keep a grip upon himself yet he knew that his running out had another and deeper meaning in fleeing from that banquet room he had been really trying to flee from himself that banquet room had been but an objective symbolization of a reality which he at that moment had wanted more than anything else on this earth to avoid and the reality that had so frightened him was so completely himself in his own past life that he could only feel it suffer it he couldn't know it master it squeezing the flat box in his right palm he crept down the stairs like a criminal he had been discarded scrapped he was outdated no longer of any use to the company he'd helped to build sure he could easily get another job he was known far and wide in the insurance world as an a one executive as a crackerjack who always delivered the goods but that wasn't the point he knew longevity life from a to z better than he knew himself 
and to see his own company toss away a man of his value he was sure that he'd have felt the same way about it if it had been someone else made him furious he wanted to spit as he recalled those lying oily phrases spewing from warren's thin lips warren who had wanted him out of the way more than any of the others he was deadwood that they'd gotten rid of he'd been pensioned off true he had drawn a handsome batch of dollars as severance pay but they'd wanted him out of the way just the same but by god he'd show em they thought that he was old-fashioned a wash out he'd find another position no not right away he'd look around first and when he did find another job he'd make such a name for himself he'd be such a whiz that longevity life would wish that they'd never let him go they made me take a bribe he told himself bitterly but they'll regret it he wouldn't be at all surprised if after a year they called him back even though that by-law which had enabled the board of directors at its own discretion to compel the retirement of any employee who had thirty years or more of service had been enacted more than two years ago his obsessive conviction of having been unfairly dealt with unfeelingly lopped off made him now suspect that they had had him especially in mind when they had voted it but what that stung his ego most of all was that miss kramer his loyal ex-secretary had told him this morning at the office making him swear on his honour that he never breathed a word of it to a living soul that robert warren president albert warren's youngest son just turned twenty-three years of age young enough to be my son erskine had exclaimed to himself was taking over his work as the district manager for manhattan so it was not only because they thought him inefficient not because he wasn't liked and respected by everybody that he was being dumped it was to make a place for his son that warren was giving him the air robert warren was going to be married and old man warren was making robert the district manager of manhattan as a wedding present erskine remembered having seen the kid robert a few times sometimes on the street and sometimes around the office and had not seen on those occasions anything distinctive or exceptional about him just a good-looking jolly youngster flashing up and down the avenues in his sport model convertible buick with a tall blonde girl once or twice he'd read in the gossip columns about young warren's being at this or that night-club but never would erskine have thought that such a harmless money-spending brat would have been selected to replace him and that hare-brained girl he was marrying a fumigated tart no doubt the injustice of it made him want to vomit all afternoon before the banquet he had sat in his apartment by his telephone fuming trying to summon up enough courage to phone warren and have it out with him but despite his raw anger he hadn't been able to act he had thought of sending warren a wire and calling off the banquet but he hadn't been inventive enough to think of ironclad reasons for such an action reasons that could be made public night had found him still seething and undecided but when he reached the hotel knowing that within an hour his last chance to protest would be gone he'd taken the bit into his teeth and had demanded a short conference with warren and the crusty acid-tongued vice-president ricky the showdown had taken place in a tiny room off the banquet hall behind closed doors and no sooner had erskine looked into their grim and determined faces than he had become swamped with doubts and had regretted his rashness well erskine what's on in your mind warren had broken the ice speaking through a lying smile erskine had swallowed and wished to god that he'd not asked for such an audience but what had he to lose by the living god he'd let them know what he thought of such cowardly deception he had to protest their abandonment of him why didn't you tell me that you wanted me out to make a place for your son he had demanded of warren with more bluntness than he had intended warren had paled his lips parted and he looked at ricky and turned away shaking his head it had been ricky who had taken up the fight 
fowler aren't you stepping just a bit outside of your little track ricky had asked with cool insolence look don't play games with me erskine had said i know what the score is and this is a cheap sickening way to treat a man who's given his life to this company we're not interested in your opinion fowler warren had said i think you are interested erskine had put in or else you'd have been man enough to have told me what was up no you wanted to ease me out fowler are you mad man ricky had bawled at him we've settled this you promised you'd go the hell with the reasons now why do you bring up this matter half an hour before the banquet because i found out the trick you're playing on me erskine argued you didn't dare tell me so what warren had demanded fowler you're off balance boy don't overestimate yourself look here fowler ricky had let his voice drop to a neutral almost kindly tone you've got severance pay you own some stock in the company to all intents so far as the public is concerned you're being retired with your consent you're being kept on as an adviser you're drawing a pension we're giving you a public banquet what in hell more do you want honesty erskine had shouted i just want you to be straight with me just as i've been with you fowler the banquet room's filling up people are waiting you can't back out now be honourable where's your honour erskine had asked in a frenzy look i'll help you get another position warren had said be reasonable man nobody's disputing your loyalty who told you about robert warren's taking your place ricky had asked pointedly never mind erskine had said so this is how you felt all along huh all right ricky had snarled you're asking for it by god and i'm going to give it to you you're through fowler here you're out of date behind the times get it we want live wires with gray matter upstairs see maybe we ought to have put you otherwise long ago all right you're good fowler but god damn it you're not good enough you just don't have what we want do you want me to spell it out any clearer now go out there and do what you promised if you back out now we'll fire you warren had shouted in a brutal rage we'll kick you out embarrass us to-night after we treat you like a right guy and we'll warren's face had turned a deep red don't you cross me fowler we've been damned good to you now you play straight end of section one